What is going on, everybody? Hopefully you guys are all doing well. That is right. We are back again on the Sports Card Show podcast. And today I wanted to talk about um, a very specific instance in this hobby that I want to just try to shed a little bit more light on. Am I going to change things here on my own? Absolutely not. But if enough people listen to this podcast, and enough people do, and maybe some people talk about it, and maybe some of you guys that spend, guys and girls, that spend a lot of money on these cards may be able to do something about this. Uh, Because I really think it's a problem, or at least get the companies to clarify this quote unquote guarantee that appears on the back of virtually every signed card and even cards with just memorabilia pieces on it. It appears on the back of most cards that are made by Panini and Tops. Today we'll focus primarily on Panini, but you could interchange Panini with Upper Deck and Tops or any of these companies. Because I feel they all fall into kind of the same realm or kind of the same boat uh, in terms of the way they present these guarantees. uh, But uh, as opposed to other companies, there's a lot of companies out there, and I'll bring up an example or two, that provide guarantee to their customers. And um, I just really feel that it's a situation that needs more attention and more discussion in the hobby. And so that's what we'll talk about for the bulk of the show. I don't really have a whole lot of other topics uh, to talk about, but we will talk about this. Uh, This topic stems from a tweet that happened during the National Sports Collectors Convention. We talked, I believe, maybe briefly about this when we were talking to my brother when he was at the show. Also, if you listen to the Mojo Break podcast, their latest one, I think their podcast is called The Hype. You can search that on, you can search like Mojo Break podcast on iTunes or go to their website and find a link to their podcast. They also talked about this topic and it also was a, a fairly well-read topic on Twitter within the card community, which means, you know, 40 people looked at it or whatever, uh, probably more than that. But um, for, for discussion purposes... Basically, this topic revolves around a customer went to the National with a, and again, I'm not an expert on these cards. I'm not, I I may or may not recollect this story word for word, but that's not the point. I will get to the point uh, in in a second, but I want to describe this very situation that kind of got me thinking about this whole quote unquote guarantee on the back of cards. And for example, I have a Tyler Eifert card. I was worried I didn't have a Panini card that I could read the guarantee from, but I have a 2013 Panini Spectra Tyler Eifert card. It has like a jersey piece and his autograph. And it says on the back, the enclosed event worn material and autograph are guaranteed by Panini Authentic, Panini America Incorporated. So on the back of the card, it says the enclosed event worn material and autograph are guaranteed by Panini America. And so a customer who acquired, I, I don't know how they acquired uh, this card. My guess is somewhere on the secondary market. They acquired one of the Dak Prescott cards that I think was a parallel. It was like a purple or a blue parallel. It was basically a parallel card. And I believe it did have the serial number. Um, apparently, at least the story from Panini is that these cards were stolen and then auto-penned. 
Okay, that's the story either Dak Prescott gave them or that's the story that they both concocted. Um, but, the, you know, let's take this a step further. So that person has this card that's auto-penned. You know, it wasn't. it's supposed to be signed by Dak Prescott. It was not signed by Dak Prescott. In fact, it was auto-penned by somebody. Panini seems to claim that the card was stolen. Dak Prescott, I think, claimed that he should look after his cards a little bit more. So he's claiming the card was stolen as well. But basically, this customer takes this card to the national and wants a replacement. Because rightfully so, they look on the back of the card and it says, oh, the autograph on the front of this card is guaranteed by Panini Authentic. So this customer took this card to the national and Panini basically said, oh no, because the card was stolen, it, I don't know the words that they use, but they basically says it, it doesn't fall under our guarantee or it violates our guarantee. So that got me thinking. Okay, Panini is sourcing or quoting a guarantee. So you should be able to go to Panini's website and find a guarantee. Well, guess what? I did that. I couldn't find a guarantee. Now, I'll tell you what I did find. You go to Panini Authentic, and Panini Authentic is Panini's line where they have Kobe Bryant and Kevin Durant and um, Andrew Luck and some of the athletes that they have under exclusive contract. They, don't, they obviously get those guys to sign cards, but what they also have is signed basketballs and shoes and 8x10 photos and, and things like that. Memorabilia, quote unquote. So Panini does outline the guarantee, and I'll read it here. Every piece of memorabilia offered by Panini Authentic comes with a 100% authenticity guarantee. Number one, every Panini Authentic signing session is conducted and witnessed by an official employee of Panini America. Now, again, this is not the cards. This is Panini Authentic when they're signing 8x10s, when they're signing jerseys and basketballs and things like that. This is not when Kobe Bryant is signing National Treasures cards. This is not when Andrew Luck or Dak Prescott is supposed to be signing their PRISM cards. Number two, at the conclusion of each session, an affidavit is signed and dated by the athlete and Panini America representatives. The affidavit details each piece of autograph memorabilia. This affidavit is then stored at our corporate location. Once each piece of signed memorabilia is inspected by a Panini America employee, for the highest level of quality and accuracy, a tamper-resistant serialized hologram is affixed. So we know this is not the, the actual cards because a hologram usually is not affixed. A matching hologram is placed on a certificate of authenticity, which lists detailed information about the item. The unique serialized number is recorded in the Panini America database. The number can be viewed on Panini Authentic dot com for full verification of the item. Now, obviously, this is a well, well standardized system within industry. PSA has a similar system. Beckett, I think, has a similar system. JSA. Um, there, there's even the MLB has their own way to authenticate items in this similar fashion. Okay, but that's not what we're talking about. I could not find reference to the Panini guarantee for cards. And the reason why I find that troubling is, again, Panini America told a customer at the National 
that the auto-penned, quote-unquote, auto-penned Dak Prescott cards do not fall under the guarantee because they were stolen. So I tried to find somewhere on the Panini America website that outlined the guarantee where it says if the cards are stolen, we do because that's what a guarantee is. So what I first want to do is, is read the definition of guarantee. Since Panini and Tops all put the words guarantee on their cards. Here's, again, this is from Google. Whether or not you believe Google or not is up to you. But this is where I'm getting the definition of guarantee. A formal promise or assertion, typically in writing. I'm going to go over that one more time just in case Panini America employees that I know listen to this didn't hear this. A formal promise or assurance, typically in writing that certain conditions will be fulfilled, especially that a product will be repaired or replaced if not specified quality or durability. Number two, a formal pledge to pay another person's debt or to perform another person's obligation in case of default. Finally, provide a formal assurance or promise, especially that certain conditions shall be fulfilled relating to a product service, or transaction. So when Panini's employees at the National tell a customer that a certain autograph does not fall within the guarantee, where is the language to that guarantee? Where is the language that says, if this card is stolen and sold on the black market, our guarantee does not apply? That language does not exist. Imagine if you bought a, uh, imagine if you bought a TV with a one-year warranty, which is almost like a guarantee. And then that TV breaks. And you go and try to go back to Samsung or, or uh, Vizio or whoever makes the TV. And you want it fixed or you want a new one. And Vizio says, um, well, because that TV was stolen. Now, I can understand. You buy the TV off Craigslist. You buy the TV at a garage sale. You buy the TV at an unauthorized retailer. Of course, the guarantee is, is not there. But that guarantee is in writing. Go to Samsung's website, go to Vizio's website, and that is going to be within their warranty slash guarantee. I'm going to bring up some other examples of companies that provide guarantees. Xfinity. Xfinity, quote unquote, respects your time. They offer two-hour appointment windows seven days a week. If they fall short of that guarantee, we'll give you an automatic $20 if we're ever late. So, If Xfinity doesn't show up at your door after two hours of making an appointment or having an appointment, they automatically give you $20. That's in writing. That's almost like a fact. So there is a company called Sudden Link. I'm not exactly sure what they do. I think it may be internet. So they say customers must have subscribed to the TV internet service and upgraded within 30 days prior to the money back request. Request up to 30 days credit must occur within 30 days of the installation. So 
there are always terms to these guarantees. I'm experiencing this. I'm thinking about buying a new firearm. And one of the companies I might purchase from is Smith & Wesson. Smith & Wesson has a lifetime service policy that begins when the one-year original warranty expires. So if you're the original owner of the gun now, if you buy, again, they explicitly state in here, if you buy the gun from a third party, you are not the original owner. So the one-year warranty and then the lifetime guarantee does not apply to you because the lifetime service guarantee only applies to the original owner of gun. And since I think almost all gun transactions are pretty well recorded, it's pretty easy to see who first bought that pistol or the rifle or whatever it might be. But in Smith & Wesson's guarantee, they literally lay it out for you. Now, would it be nice if if Smith & Wesson's guarantees pistols that I buy at a gun show or buy off my friend? Sure, that'd be nice. But at least they explicitly say this on their website that they don't do that. It only applies to the original owner. So wouldn't it be nice, since Panini puts this guarantee and Tops and all these companies put this guarantee on the back of their cards, you could go to their website and see when and when not this guarantee applies. But no, instead what happens is they literally make up the rules on the fly and then they don't sort, they don't cite or provide you a guarantee. All the only reference to the guarantee is on the back of the cards. There's no long explanation about how that guarantee applies or doesn't apply. Panini just makes up an excuse when it's some Dak Prescott cards that are quote unquote stolen. Now, as a side note, if something is stolen, that is like insurance 101. If Dak Prescott, if these cards were in the possession of Dak Prescott and they were stolen, guess what? Dak Prescott has insurance, whether it's renter's insurance, homeowner's insurance. More than likely, these cards were delivered to his home. If they were stolen, he would have been compensated for this. Panini also likely has some kind of business insurance to where if something like this occurs, there, is, there are insurance policies. For the, the very extreme example, an unfortunate example is the Las Vegas shooting. Yes, MGM is liable for the deaths that occur. I mean, that's going to be worked out in court, but I think any logical person can, can assume that MGM should, they, I think they controlled or owned the venue and they controlled and owned the venue where the guy shot the bullets out of. MGM is responsible, at least in part, for the actions that took place on that tragic day. Well, guess what? MGM has insurance and a lot of it. And so when you see MGM sues uh, victims of the uh, uh, Las Vegas shooting, which is a really bad uh, press release, it's MGM's insurance 
is requiring MGM to sue. So they're covering their own ass, basically. But we're kind of walking down, down a path that, that we, we really don't need to get down. What I really want people to start discussing in this industry, and some of you guys that spend hundreds, if not thousands of dollars a month on cards, a month or maybe even a year, is ask, start asking Panini, where is this guarantee? Okay, yes, it says it on the back of the card, but we've learned after the national that you don't honor the guarantee on the Dak Prescott cards because they were quote-unquote stolen. Now, I have this Tyler Eifert card, and it's actually a nice kind of two-color patch, but as we know that what happens in the hobby is people will, if this was like a one-color patch, people might cut it out and put an NFL shield in there or put a two- or three-color patch in there, a more interesting-looking patch, and try to sell it as you know a little bit nicer card than it was with just a one-color patch. Well, wait a second. Does the guarantee... I mean, obviously, the guarantee likely doesn't apply there, but where is that in writing from Panini America? If I buy that card from a third party, does the guarantee still apply? Or do I have to pull this card originally from a pack? Do I have to be like a Smith and Wesson rifle or a pistol? I have to be the original owner. Now, obviously, with trading cards, it's not like buying a rifle. Where I'm buying it through, at least here out here in California, you got to buy it through a dealer and wait 10 days and, and fingerprint and background check and do all this stuff. So there's quite a paper trail behind the purchase of a firearm. And if I buy it off uh, uh, an individual, it still has to go through a licensed dealer. There still has to be that 10-day waiting period. So there's quite a bit of paperwork, whether I'm buying a gun secondhand or buying brand new, uh, essentially straight from Smith & Wesson or, or from an authorized dealer that is, is retailing brand new Smith & Wesson pistols. Obviously, it's fairly easy in that example to, to discover who's the original owner. With cards, not so much. This Tyler Eifert could have traded hands four, five, six, seven different times before it landed on, on my, in my collection. So does the guarantee apply? If we find out later Tyler Eifert did not sign these cards, his girlfriend did, does the guarantee still apply? If these cards were stolen out of the Panini America headquarters and open, does the guarantee still apply? If the cards were stolen from the player and then auto-penned, which really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, we could have a whole show. We already had whole shows on that. That Panini America's kind of cover-up, whenever they make a goof or make a mistake, their cover-up and their excuses never make any sense. And especially in this case, Dak Prescott got some cards stolen from them. Like, he has insurance. You can remake the cards. Why couldn't Panini America remake the cards and when people, you know, Panini America should want that card off the secondary market. Forget the guarantee. Panini America should like want that card out of the hands, uh, out of the circulation. Kind of cheapens their guarantee, cheapens their product, confuses collectors, maybe turns off collectors, makes collectors more cautious in the future, maybe spend less money in the hobby. Whereas if Panini had this quote unquote ironclad guarantee, 
that was well explained. And even if the guarantee said, hey, if the cards are stolen and they're auto-penned, we don't honor the guarantee. That's okay. Look, Smith & Wesson says on their own website, if you buy the gun from somebody else, you get it from a friend, you inherit it, the warranty, the free of charge service does not apply to you. And so if I bought a Smith & Wesson from a friend and I go out and shoot it a couple times and it malfunctions or it needs something, a spring replaced or something. And I'm like, shoot, I'm going to go take, I just bought this. I'm going to go take it back to Smith and Wesson. But then I go to their website and read in clear as day that I can't, I'm going to be bummed. Yeah. I'm going to be like, dang, that sucks. But I'm going to say, well, at least they outline it here clearly. That is not the case with Panini or as far as I'm concerned, any of these companies They put a guarantee on the back of this card, and then there's no other explanation. Like I said, maybe I'm wrong here, but the only thing I could find in reference to a guarantee on Panini's website is in reference to the Panini authentic items, which, again, are not the trading cards. These are the basketballs, these are the footballs, and these are the things they're getting uh, signed. They're not mailing these items to Kobe Bryant, as they say here, at least if they're following their own guarantee and their own process, they have an employee sitting right there. And then an affidavit is signed as well, which I believe is often commonplace in trading cards as well. At least with certain athletes in, in, in certain situations. And I, I, really, I really encourage you guys to really think about this. Like, uh, don't just think about this with trading cards. What if you'd bought your car and it was like, we, we, we guarantee it uh, bumper to bumper. We guarantee uh, roadside assistance and bumper to bumper, uh, you know, coverage, you know, and, and as we find out, bumper to bumper do, doesn't mean everything bumper to bumper. Okay. When I bought my, my car, I bought a, an extended warranty on it as well. And I had one of the, air vents, one of the little plastic pieces like broke off in there. So I went back and I asked them, you know, hey, is this covered with my warranty? Unfortunately, it wasn't. And like $220, $220 later, they put a new air vent in my car, which was like literally $4. What I probably could have done and should have done is I should have just got on eBay or something and found an equivalent part and I probably could have installed it myself, but whatever. But that is written somewhere. In fact, I, I remember the, the Mercedes employee. They actually do really nice service at Mercedes. They, they like assign you a guy and you like, you kind of feel like you have a communication uh, post when, when you go and you service your car. And they'll show you things and that, you know, they explain everything very well. Well, that's not the case with Panini. Like I said, somebody showed up the national with a car that they wanted replaced. And then Panini cited a guarantee, a, a quote unquote clause in the guarantee but didn't show that to the employee, didn't point them to a web page, didn't show them a document. They literally just told this person that. I don't know about you, but there, there has to, I'm not a legal mind, but I can imagine maybe some of you are attorneys or studied, uh, maybe it's part of your studies or maybe you are an attorney. That doesn't make any sense. Panini America guarantees a card and then 
oh, brings it to them. Oh, no, this actually doesn't fall within our guarantee. But then you go and look for that guarantee and it's nowhere to be found. There's no language to that guarantee. Like I said, I went to, I went to Smith & Wesson website. I went to Rolex's website. Go to Mercedes-Benz website. You can go to any company that has a guarantee or a warranty. Or some kind of assurance. Like with its Xfinity, it's, it's hey, we're going to show, if we say we're going to show up at between 2 and 4 and we show up at 6.45, you're going to get $20. This is all formally in writing. A guarantee on the back of a card means nothing, and we're finding that out. Somebody had a card that we know is not authentic, is is is. It was not signed by the athlete. The back of the card says Panini guarantees that signature, but then they don't honor it. They don't honor that guarantee. They don't not only honor it, but they don't, you know, and maybe there's a follow-up to the story. Maybe this collector's been taken care of. They didn't offer them a box or a case or some Panini points. <laughs> Some gold packs or so the god they probably had gold packs, you know, they were probably wiping their ass with gold packs. They had, or silver packs or whatever they were handing out. They probably had promotional cards. They literally said, No, you're shit out of luck because our guarantee doesn't cover that. But then they don't show the guarantee. And if you're a collector and you try to look for this guarantee online or on Panini's website, you can't find it. It's non existent. In my opinion, this is fraud. Is it fraud that you can take Panini to court and win? Is it fraud that you could sue Panini? I'm not an attorney. I'm not a lawyer, but it smells bad. It looks bad. I'm sure if you had enough money or you were an attorney yourself and you wanted to put some time and effort into it, there's probably some avenues you can go down. And this makes me upset. It's the only reason why we're doing the show. It's not going to be a long show. This is our only topic. I'll probably talk briefly about... We haven't had a Make America Great Again segment on this show in a little bit, so we're probably going to maybe touch a little bit on that. But here's what I want to have happen. First of all, I don't spend enough money on these cards. Again, some of you guys are spending hundreds, if not thousands of dollars every month on these cards. Every month. And that's a lot of money. Hundreds of dollars. That's like rent. And not out here in California. For hundreds of dollars, you can rent like a, a bathroom or like a, a, a porta potty. But you could get a nice car for a couple hundred bucks a month. If you're up in the thousands... Yeah, you can, you can rent a penthouse for thousands of dollars. You can lease a, a G500. You could lease a, a, a Porsche. That's a mortgage payment for people. 
and you're literally being sold a guarantee on the back of cards. But then I encourage all you guys, go look for what that guarantee covers and what it doesn't. Does it cover if somebody, if I buy this card off somebody and they take the little patch out and they put another patch in it, is that covered by Panini's guarantee or not? Now, I think most of us listening to the show would agree, well, you know, Panini doesn't have, Panini can't control everything. It's just like any other brand. People can buy a real Rolex, take all the good parts off and put a bunch of fake parts on and sell it as a real Rolex. That's not Rolex's fault. But where is that language? Where can I go to Panini's website? The back of the card says it's guaranteed. The enclosed event-worn material and autograph are guaranteed by, by Panini. And how does Panini know? How does Panini know this autograph is authentic or not? How do they know the patch hasn't been switched out or not? They don't keep a database on this. Stuff. I mean, I remember they were at the industry summit a few years ago claiming some patch database. That never came to fruition. Seems like a good idea. Seems like it could get, uh, clear up some guarantees and stuff like that. But they're not doing that. And then again, we have customers going to the national with a card that is supposed to have an athlete's signature on it. It doesn't. In fact, it has a, a fake signature on it. Or a signature that was auto-penned by somebody. I'm not, again, I'm not convinced. I have not seen evidence that Panini didn't auto-pen those cards. Somebody auto-pen those cards. And this customer takes that card back and Panini cites that, that does, their guarantee doesn't apply to that card, but then provides no, again, no written, no nothing. In no other industry would this, I mean, again, I know we got exclusive licenses. I know that Panini has no competition on the football side. No competition on the basketball side. Tops on the baseball side. Upper deck on the hockey side. It's almost like a license to, to, to go over the speed limit or to, to whatever. But there's literally no... If you try to search Panini Guarantee, again, you find the Panini Authentic Guarantee, and that's fine. That's exactly what I expect from a guarantee. Again, I read the definition. It's typically in writing. But I could not find anywhere on Panini's website or on the internet that described the guarantee that is on the back of trading cards, on every single trading card that is signed and is on the back of every you know, significant trading card and non-significant trading card that has an autograph and a memorabilia piece on it. Guys, that, I, I mean, this is like dating a girl and her saying, I guarantee I'm not going to cheat on you. 
And then all of a sudden she ghosts you for like a week. And you hear from friends, she was at the bar, you saw her on Tinder, you saw her uh, out with another guy. And she's like, no, 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 I, I guarantee. You, you end up talking to her a week later. I guarantee I didn't, I didn't talk to any guys. I didn't get on Tinder. I didn't do any of that. And, and it's like, you know, it's like the car fondler being like, oh, okay, I'll take you back. I mean, that's literally what Panini's doing to you guys. Panini is guarantee you that they're not going to cheat on you, and then they do. And then you take them back. So here's what I want to have happen. I want you collectors out there to start pressing Panini for the language that applies to the guarantee on the back of the cards. Get on Twitter, get on forums, get, send them emails. Ask for the guarantee. You want to say, hey, you have a guarantee on the back of the card? I want to see that in writing. Even point them to this Panini Authentic. Say, hey, on your website, there's an authenticity guarantee for the Panini Authentic items, which is memorabilia. But I don't see anything referencing the training cards. Where's the guarantee for trading cards? Because you're not only, uh, again, the card I have, I don't know, I don't have anything more current than this. I could look on, check on my cards or on eBay to find the back of a card. But hey, on this 2013 Tyler Eifer card, they're guaranteeing the event-worn material and the autograph. But me as a customer, if that autograph starts to fade, is that guaranteed? Is that a part of the guarantee? If this, say this jersey piece just fell off the cart, wasn't glued in very well or whatever, is that, is that a part of the guarantee? If I, again, if I find out Tyler Eifert had Chad Johnson sign the cards, is that a part of the guarantee? Can I go back and say, hey, I don't want, you know, Tyler Eifert's little sister's nephew signing the cards. I want to make sure Tyler Eifert's signing the card. Or in the case of Dak Prescott, if it, the cards were quote-unquote stolen and somehow there wasn't some insurance policy there to cover the cost of replacing those items, not only that, the, the, the fact that these cards made their way onto the secondary market. So you're telling me Dak Prescott auto-penned the cards and then sold them on eBay. Or gave them to a friend to sell them on eBay. Does that make a lot of sense? And if they were stolen, where were they stolen? Were they stolen in transit? So certainly you had UPS insurance or USPS insurance that would cover some kind of theft. Again, if they were sent to Dak Prescott's house and they were stolen. Dak Prescott has homeowner's insurance. On top of that, Panini America should have some kind of business insurance that covers situations like this. Not that they need to put their whole insurance policy on their website, but it sure would be nice to have some kind of explanation to what this guarantee does and does not cover. Because as we've seen time and time again, the other situation we see a lot of times is Panini will have a card and the, there'll be a sticker autograph on it. And the sticker autograph is actually from another player. 
Is that a, is that covered under the guarantee? Panini has offered, uh, I think, replacements in those situations. But how about put that in writing? So I'm having a, I'm having a real, real, real hard time. Real hard time understanding what, what these companies are trying to pull on you guys. And again, I get on this show a lot, and I think I'm often criticized about it. Oh, you don't, you don't really care about the hobby. You're not out there buying cards, and you're not out there doing stuff. It's like, guys, why in the hell would I spend my hard-earned money for something that is quote-unquote guarantee? And I go to their website. I can't even find any information on that guarantee. Stop. That is absolutely ludicrous. Why would I spend my hard-earned money on something like that? So again, what I encourage you guys to do, start asking Panini, where's this guarantee? I know we see it on the back of the card. But what does that guarantee actually mean? What does it cover? What, uh, and also, what do I get? Say this. Say there was an issue with this Tyler Eifert card. Again, I gave a couple examples. The jersey piece just falls right out. Is that under the guarantee? What are you going to do? Do I send the card back to you? Do you send me some super glue? Do I take it to an authorized dealer and they deal with it? What if this was a sticker autograph and it was really... Tyler, Tyler Joe Blow, Tyler Ennis in the NBA. And they stuck that on there. Can I, can I send this card back in and get Tyler Eifert's autograph instead of Tyler Ennis? What if it turns out, oh, man, Tyler Eifert's crazy girlfriend stole his cards, signed them, and sold them on eBay? Is that covered by the guarantee? What if the autograph is smudged? Is the guarantee not only the authenticity, but, and again, on the back of this card, it says the enclosed event award material and autograph are guaranteed. Are they guaranteeing the quality, the, uh, the authenticity, or both? What if the autograph starts fading? As we saw with uh, Sweet Spot Baseball. A lot of those autographs, the ink is like sucked into the, into the baseball. And they're no, no longer legible. Is, is that covered under the guarantee? Can I call up her deck and get, get a new one? Or get, get some kind of replacement? I don't know because this is not clearly stated anywhere on these companies' websites. Again, I'm only bringing up Panini. Maybe Topps has this on their website. I don't know. Maybe Upper Deck has it on their website. Maybe Leaf has it on their website. I don't know. But what I do know is the companies that I do frequent, if there is some kind of guarantee, it's often in clear as day writing. For example, I just I had a home warranty. So I bought a 70-year-old house, and they sold us on a home warranty. Thought, eh, seems like a good idea. The only reason why I got it is because the air conditioner that I have, and you may hear it running in the background. I apologize if there's any background noise on this show. I have to run a fan. It gets really hot in my office, so I have to run some air conditioning. 
but I don't think it's too bad that it really affects the quality of the, the audio, unless you have it really turned up really loud, maybe. But uh, again, I apologize if that's the case. But I bought a home warranty, it, really for my air conditioning system, because if that goes, that's I've already had an appraisal on it. It's like about eleven thousand to 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 replace it, and I was like eleven thousand dollars. Yeah, right. There's no way I'd have that kind of money sitting around. Okay, I'd really have to finagle, really have to come up with a way. And if it's in the dead of summer, boy, I'd be in a really tough spot, especially with young kids and a wife. And my wife's pregnant right now, so you, you don't want to be sitting around in 100, 110 degree weather with no AC because you can't afford $11,000 uh, air conditioner. So I bought a home warranty. It's like four, $500 a, a year or something like that. So not a lot, not really super expensive protection in the case that I do have an $11,000, um, you know, fix on my AC. Well, knock on wood, I've, I've used the warranty a couple times, have them come service my AC. They didn't have to replace the unit or the, the whole system, but I have had some work done on it and it's been nice. But what I did have, my oven hasn't been working very well. It still works, but it doesn't cook food very well. Well, they came out. And they found out that there was like a control panel that wasn't working on the air or something. And within the language of my warranty, it says, well, they're either going to replace the oven or offer me uh, a certain amount of money. And so they offered, I think I got like $1,500, $1,600. So I took the payment and we're going to go buy an oven and have it installed. So, but this was all in writing. This was all clear as day. I could talk to somebody and they could reference very specific clauses within the warranty and within the, within the agreement that I could reference and they can, this is something I agreed to when I pay them and sign the forms or whatever. Now I know when we buy a pack of cards, we're not signing over, you know, it's not like buying a gun or buying a home warranty or buying a, buying a car or anything like that. But this is, these are not 99-cent packs anymore. These are not where the most expensive pack is $2.99, $3.99. Now, like, a cheap box is, like, 100 bucks. Like, the cheapest pack is, like, the most expensive pack 20 years ago. Boxes of cards cost hundreds, if not thousands of dollars now. And these companies are guaranteeing these cards and then denying the guarantee without sourcing any documents, any formal written guarantee, and that's bullshit. And you guys need to call these companies out on it time and time again. You need to ask for the written guarantee. Where's this guarantee? What does it cover? What doesn't it cover? And look, if the guarantee is a house of cards, the guarantee only covers like these very slim, slim use cases, that's fine. We could line up a million companies that do the same thing, offer some money back guarantee, but to get your money back, you have to fall in like a 2% uh, use case. And that's fine. I don't really care. But at least those companies have taken the, the time to write out a guarantee. And we know Panini is capable of writing that down the guarantee because they do it for their Panini Authentic items. Probably because they can actually guarantee those items because they actually have somebody there. 
And let's not forget, with the Dak Prescott example, Panini sent these cards to customers. Maybe they didn't send the purple parallels or certain parallels out to customers, but they literally got auto-penned cards back. Again, this is the story that they gave us. They literally got cards back from Dak Prescott, and they sent them to customers. And they honored those. Apparently, you could send those back in and get, get a replacement. Oh, but these other ones that are the color purple, you can't. It's, it's literally like they made it up on the spot. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And again, I think I was making this point. There's your number one reason why I don't spend money on these worthless pieces of cardboard. The guarantee on the back is worthless. Okay, it could be worthless if they they ex- explained it on their website. They don't even do that. Again, a guarantee can be like, again, like a 1% use case. It's 2% use case. Ends up, uh, you know, and again, these like home warranty companies kind of set these warranties up to where you really, it's really hard to make a claim. It really wasn't very hard for us to make a claim. But I can understand there's probably a lot of other use cases. Or like I have a warranty on my car and then the air condi- little air conditioner vent, the little plastic in there breaks. That's not covered under my warranty. Well, guess what? I can go to my warranty and see that. Go to my warranty and actually see not that very specific part, but certain parts of the car don't fall under the warranty. And I understand that. Do I like it? it you know, would it have been nice if, if Mercedes just put in, put in a new one? Yeah, because it, it cost them, what, two, three, four dollars probably to do that. But at least in the agreement that I was presented, uh, it was made clear. And at least when I asked the person for Mercedes, hey, does this fall under my warranty? They actually were able to go in and check a document and actually see, oh, nope, sorry, Mr. Tedderts. You're going to have to pay 200 dollars for a piece of plastic. I remember the guy said, well, Mercedes thinks really highly of his plastic. And he said it, you know, joking, jokingly. And yet you guys buy these cards month after month, time after time. And an issue comes up where a guarantee might apply. And Panini says, oh, nope, nope. Guarantee doesn't apply there. Almost like they're citing, oh, Article uh, 1.357 states that if the cards are stolen and sold on the secondary market, the guarantee doesn't apply. Which certainly could be inside of a guarantee, but it's not. It's almost like they're making up their guarantee on the fly. It's just a joke. It, it would be comical if the pack still cost 99 cents or $1.99 or $2.99. But we're talking about $199, $299, $399 for packs of cards. I've seen like, I remember group breaking the, the you know, one reason why I think that, and again, the, the industry has... 
the group breaking industry has expanded a little bit. I think I would argue that it's really just taken a lot of business that would be going to unopened packs or single cards or unopened boxes. It's really just taken that money and put it into kind of a different form of opening the same kind of product. But can't exactly remember where I was going to go with that point. But no, here, here's where I was going. Group breaking used to advertise itself, hey, you know, instead of spending, uh, you know, 70, 80, 100, $200 on packs of cards and boxes of cards, you can buy in a spot for as little as 20 bucks. Most of the group breaking spots I see these days, it's like $70, $80, $100, $200 for a spot. So it's not like even if you're like group breaking, you're, you're cutting costs. This is an expensive hobby. And it relies a lot on the authenticity of these items. And again, Panini on the back of their card, they say that the event-worn material and autograph are guaranteed. What's guaranteed? Again, the authenticity, the quality, or both. Is it that the authenticity is guaranteed? Is it that the quality is guaranteed? Or is it both? And I would start asking Panini and Topps or whoever your favorite card manufacturer is, what the hell does this guarantee actually cover and what doesn't it? Because I'm starting to get confused. You've got cards that were made by Panini, sent to, an, again, this is all allegedly, sent to an athlete. We know for a fact these cards were made by Panini. We know for a fact on the back of these cards, there's an auth, uh, a, 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 essentially a guarantee. And we know that Panini does, is not honoring that guarantee. Those are the facts. The cards were made by Panini. The cards have a, a guarantee on the back of the card from Panini. And Panini is not honoring that guarantee. And the fact that collectors are like, I mean, I know collectors are upset about this, but I think the very first step you can take is where is this guarantee? What, not only where is this guarantee, what does this guarantee cover? Because it doesn't say that the event-worn material and autograph are guaranteed for authenticity or for quality or for, um, you know, long, you know, what if I sit this card in the sun? Is that covered by the guarantee? The autograph starts fading, just like on the sweet spot cards. Is that covered by a guarantee? If the jersey piece falls out, if the stitching starts to come loose, or as we've seen, sometimes you pull these cards open and it's like, hmm, there's Tyler Eifert jersey and it's like blue and yellow and he plays for the Bengals. Is that covered under the guarantee? If I pull a card and it says, hey, this is a Tyler Eifert jersey and it's from a color uniform he's never worn in college or the pros or in high school or any time in his life, is that covered under the guarantee? I don't know because Panini does not outline the guarantee. But yet, if you show up at the National 
and wait in line for three hours and ask for a replacement on a card, they cite some guarantee clause that uh, supposedly, you know, your situation does not apply to the guarantee. Guys, you are getting absolutely ripped off by these companies. Absolutely just bamboozled. I mean, I literally see people spend their whole day on Twitter or on Facebook complaining about the job Donald J. Trump is doing as president. Literally. He says one stupid thing, makes one wrong miss. I mean, he does it daily. Says, puts his foot in his mouth every day. People go crazy. Literally go crazy. I mean, there's prime, there's TV networks that spend millions and millions of dollars and charge millions of dollars for ads that literally go crazy the minute the president of the United States puts his foot in his mouth, which he does every day. And then there's card fondlers out there that'll spend thousands of dollars on a product with a quote unquote guarantee on the back. And you go and go and look for any information on that guarantee and it's nowhere to be found. You have no idea when or when that guarantee does or doesn't apply. And look, Panini's legal team didn't have to write up this Panini authenticity guarantee for their Panini authentic memorabilia items. This was not written by an attorney. This was written by someone like Tracy Hackler. You could get somebody in the Philippines to draw up this kind of language. But ideally, these guarantees would be, again, fairly lengthy, cover certain scenarios. The cards were stolen. The cards were stolen from the player, the headquarters. The wrong sticker was put on there. The wrong jersey patch was put on there. Someone took off the jersey patch and put a new one. Someone took off the old sticker and put on a new one. Somebody put on a fake serial number. Somebody put on whatever. What if the autograph is smudged? What, what if the autograph is not complete? What if I see, hey, Tyler Eifert signed his full name for some of these cards, and now he's signing his, uh, two initials on these ones. Is that a part of the guarantee? We don't know because these companies aren't providing it and because you guys are enabling them to get away with this. So I, again, encourage you to ask Panini what their guarantee is. What does it cover? Where's, you know, again, to go back to the Wikipedia de definition, a formal promise or assurance typically in writing Okay, I know it says typically, which means it may not be in writing. But it's in writing on the back of the card that it's guaranteed. And again, I'd, I'd like Panini to, to clarify, is the guarantee applied to the quality of the autograph, the authenticity, or both? Does this only apply to the original owner of the card? 
which obviously would be hard to prove or hard to verify. Does this apply on cards only made after a certain date? For example, Smith & Wesson's guarantee only applies to firearms purchased after February 1st, 1989. So for whatever reason, before February 1st, 1989, if you're the original owner of a Smith & Wesson gun, that is not covered under their lifetime service guarantee. But any time after February 1st, 1989, if the original owner of the gun has a problem with it, Smith & Wesson will service the gun. So that's what I want to see happen. I'm only one voice. Again, I don't spend a lot of money. I don't spend a lot of time even with these cards, thinking about these cards. But when I see a collector, I, I, I don't, again, I don't know this collector. I don't know how, maybe they live in Ohio. It wasn't really hard to get there. Maybe they lived in San Diego and it was one of the longest flights you could possibly have to Ohio. I don't know. All I know is they went to the world's largest card event. They stood in line for a long time and were told that the guarantee does not apply to their situation, but yet were not provided any material, any material that showed that that was in writing in advance, that they didn't just make that up on the spot. And I can understand, Panini writes up some long guarantee and then a situation happens that they don't think should be covered under the guarantee. Well, they can make an amendment to the guarantee. They can even write in there, given this situation where, you know, that happened on X, Y date, we're not going to honor these cards. Okay. We call that like transparency. Okay, transparency doesn't have to mean ask kiss or bend over backwards. Transparency could just mean, hey, we guarantee the card, but in these 40 situations, we don't. And maybe those 40 situations are oftentimes what collectors run into. Well, at least they're transparent about it. They're not even transparent about it. And this is a problem. I think this is a problem within the industry. Again, I get some of you guys are going to buy this stuff with, you know, it's basically like an addiction. If you're hooked on, you know, hooked on whatever drug it is and you have none of that drug, you don't care if what comes through the door is the cleanest, you know, cut of cocaine or whatever or cleanest heroin you can buy. Sure, it'd be great if you could get your hands on it. But, oh, you know, oh, I can't rip. I can't rip National Treasures because it's not out. Oh, I'll go rip some opening day. I mean, if you're that, if you're at that point, then maybe you don't care. But I think there's people out there that do. And so, again, what I would encourage you to do, send an email to Benini. Get at him on Twitter. Get at him on Facebook. And be polite. There's nothing to be, there's really nothing to be angry about. It's really like, hey, I just want some clarification. 
You state on the back of the card that it's guaranteed, but yet I've seen some situation where the guarantee doesn't apply. I want to see all the situations where the guarantee doesn't apply. Or just ask them, point blank, when does this guarantee not apply? Or just ask them the simple question, is this, where's, the, where's the literature, where's this guarantee in writing? Where is it formalized? And again, if Panini does formalize the guarantee, and it, it's, it's literally a, a laundry list of, of things that don't apply to the guarantee, so the guarantee is really just some kind of you know, language that they put on the card to, to make people feel good, but it doesn't really mean anything, that's okay. At least they're transparent about it. We don't even see that. And I think you as collectors deserve more than that. Not only you as collectors, but think about the future collectors. Think about the people that are on the fence about collecting. Think about the people that just very, very, very casually collect. If they run into one of these situations where a guarantee may imply that they're entitled to a replacement or a new card. And the collector runs into the situation where, oh, no, sorry, that, uh, that guarantee does not apply. Well, how would they know that? How are they supposed to know that? I think it's a problem, and I think it could be addressed. And again, I think the way it will get addressed is by people asking Panini and these other companies, where is this guarantee? What is this guarantee actually apply to does it apply again the guarantee on the back says nothing whether it's, it applies to the authenticity or the quality or both because when i think about guarantee that's what i think about guarantee that it's gonna work guarantee that it's gonna keep working guarantee that it's free of defects guarantee that it's authentic again on the back of panini's card the guarantee does not does not specify what is actually being guaranteed. Just says that it is guaranteed. And then when collectors show up at the national, they're told, no, actually that guarantee doesn't apply. And they're not pointed to any specific language on a website or in writing. And if we were talking about 99 cent packs, like we were 30 years ago, or if we were talking about even $1.99, $2.99, $3.99 packs of cards, you know, $60, $70 boxes, maybe not a big deal. But that's not the case anymore. You know, it's like, oh, am I going to go buy the new iPhone or am I going to buy, go buy a box of cards? Am I going to go buy a new computer or am I going to go buy a box of cards? Am I going to make my car payment this month or buy a box of cards? Am I going to pay my rent this month or buy a box of cards? It's not, am I going to go buy a pack of gum or a pack of baseball cards? Am I going to go buy a pack of sunflower seeds or a pack of baseball cards? In that sense, the guarantee is... is is almost meaningless. 
We're talking about hundreds and thousands of dollars. And we've seen enough cases over the last several years with player-worn versus game-worn, with the wrong sticker being put on cards, with the sticker being put upside down, with auto-pen signatures. How about we've seen cards, too, with no signature? It's a card that was supposed to be signed, wasn't, and then inserted in packed. Is that under a guarantee? What's guaranteed then? Does the guarantee apply to that situation? I don't know because these companies don't have it on their fucking website. And it's absolutely ridiculous. And I think I've talked enough about this subject, but again, I want you guys to, again, you don't have to approach Panini in an angry manner and get blocked on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. You can just calmly ask them, hey, I buy some cards that says a guarantee on the back. I kind of want to know what that guarantee covers. Can you send me a link to that information and see what they say? Say, hey, I bought a card and it's got a smudged autograph. I want to see in your guarantee whether that's covered or not. And when when the customer service guy says, oh, no, that's not covered. Say, no, 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 I understand that. I understand that you're saying that right now here on Twitter. I want to see that in a formal agreement, something formalized on a website or in writing. And then you won't hear, you'll hear the sound of crickets after you say something like that. I think it's a problem. I think not only you as customers, listen, If you're a group breaker or you're a retailer of this stuff, you should be asking these questions too. You should say, hey, I got customers here that are asking me these questions. And we come across these situations. I'm sure there's more situations than I can think of here. I'm sure you guys that are into the weeds on these cards can think of a lot of situations where, hey, does the guarantee, guarantee apply now or does it not? And I think it's a problem. And what I think is an even bigger problem is you've got collectors showing up to, to have that guaranteed honored. And then Panini says, no, that does not apply to our guarantee, but provides no evidence of that. That seems to me a very convenient way to get yourself out of any situation that may arise while selling these cards as Panini does. I got a problem with it. And I really think it, you know, are we going to solve it today? Are we going to solve it tomorrow? Is one person going to solve it? Absolutely not. But I think what would help the industry is a little bit more transparency on these guarantees. What do they cover? What don't they cover? And again, if if the guarantee is five. 50,000 words long, and it's basically, we don't cover this, we don't cover this, we don't cover this, we don't cover this. I'm fine with that. At least it's out there. At least we know. But it seems like they're making it up almost on the fly. Oh, yeah, we made these cards. Oh, yeah, we guaranteed them on the back. But, oh, yeah, they were stolen and signed by someone else or a machine. So we're not going to honor those. Does that make any sense? 
And where's the police report? Okay, if they were stolen, where's the police report? And again, where's the freaking insurance? God knows I know if something was stolen for me, say a friend, this is kind of a similar situation, a friend leaves their bike or leaves their lawnmower or something at my house and it gets stolen. Guess what? I'm going to call my insurance and get some money and give it to my friend. Especially when we're talking about thousands, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars, as in the case of autographs being quote unquote stolen. And how are we as collectors supposed to, I mean, look, I mean, if you're just a, imagine if you're just a grandma and it's like, I've got a grandson that wants a Dak Prescott card or Dak Prescott autograph card or, you know. Maybe he wasn't that specific, but I really want to impress him. And I want to get him this really cool Dak Prescott. I want to get him a Dak Prescott autograph card. And I just go on eBay and I buy one of these. The grandma gives it to her son and her son says, oh, mom, this is, this was, you know, Dak didn't sign this. It was, I mean, imagine the shock on the the mom's face. She's going to be like, well, I'm going to take this back. Yeah, Right. These are things holding the hobby back from really, you know, really taking it to the next level. Just providing this kind of transparency, providing this kind of customer assurance. Again, assuring the customer doesn't mean cupping their balls and jerking them off. It could just be, here's a lot of, you know, we're sorry you bought this Dak Prescott card, but as you can see here clearly, these cards do not fall under our guarantee because this situation arose. Then yeah, is that grandma bummed out? Is the son, the little grandson or whatever bummed out? Of course. Should Panini honor those cards? Absolutely. And I mean, I can understand. Maybe they can't get Dak Prescott to sign that exact card. Maybe they can't get Dak Prescott at all to sign anything. But God knows you got to give these, you got to take care of these people in some way, some fashion. There's a lot of ways you could do that. Nope, but what these companies do are like, nope, our, our hands are clear. Once the cards are stolen, we're done. Even though we made the card, we serial numbered the card, we guaranteed the card, we even distributed some of these cards to customers. I mean, it wasn't like Panini said, oh, whoa, 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 these cards are fake. They literally sent them to customers. It wasn't until customers, uh, you know, brought it to Panini's attention did they even realize it. That's how stupid these guys are. So I got a problem with it, and I really think um, I really think if you take the time this week and you know do a little something about again, what am I doing about it? I'm getting on my podcast. Over a thousand people will listen to this. I know that's not a lot of people, but if ten percent of you 
do something about it. And again, you, you don't have to write an angry letter. You don't have to be angry. You could just be you know, seeking out information. Hey, Panini, I see there's a guarantee on the back of your cards. Can I see that? You know, where's, where's that formally in writing? What situations does the guarantee apply to? And what, when, I would just ask that question. When does the guarantee apply and when doesn't it? And when they come back to you on Twitter, oh, it applies here and here. Say, no, 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 no. I, I don't want the 220 character or whatever it is on Twitter now. I want you to point me to the very specific language on your website and say, hey, if I go to Xfinity, if I go to Smith & Wesson, if I go to Rolex, if I go to Mercedes, if I go to Vizio, if I go to, uh, you know, Craftsman Tools, if I go to any of the Apple iPhones, if I go to any of these companies and look for a guarantee on their website, I find it. And again, it might be a long list of, we don't cover this, we don't cover this, we don't cover this. That's fine, but at least you can fucking find it. On Panini's website, again, I find something for Panini Authentic, but not for the cards, and it's a problem. And a bigger problem is you have employees from these companies, you know, oh, saying, oh, we don't honor that. That's not part of the guarantee. Where did that come from? It's a problem, and I don't like it. So I think I've gone on to that. And then again, that was the only card topic that I have. I don't really have anything else to really talk about. One thing that I do want to mention is, um, you know, we talk, we talk about like investing and we talk about, um, you know, saving money. You're doing, you know, starting businesses and making money. And I've, I've gotten a lot of feedback on the show. People really like this stuff. So I'm going to try to be really forward thinking here. And kind of talk about a very, very high-level um, economic discussion. Hopefully, it doesn't fly over you guys' head. If you don't like economics, if you don't want to make America great again, the show's over for you. Turn it off. Go fondle your baseball cards. For the rest of you that want to save and protect your money, maybe you'll learn a little something here. What I'm concerned about What I'm looking at these days as an investor with a decent amount of money, you know, it's not just the money, really. When I invest in the stock market, it's, it's not the $1,000 of shares I bought or collectively tens of thousands of dollars saved up or whatever it is. It's not really about that. For me, that represents my future, not my future individually either. It's my family's future. Okay. Because, you know, I'm out here, I'm actually painting my house. Um, you know, I'm doing the whole thing myself, spraying off the old paint, filling it in with wood filler, um, sanding it off, caulking everything, making trim pieces, doing all this stuff. And I'm doing it because you know, it's, it's an investment. It's, it's, it's something that I want to do, but it's really for my family. It's for my future of my family. I, I don't know. I can't tell you if I'm going to sell the house that I'm living in, but I guarantee you my kids or my kids' kids will, and they'll probably make a lot of money when they do. Probably make a fortune, probably over a million dollars when they sell it. And that's great. That's awesome. 
I'm really happy about that. I also think about that when I'm saving money in the stock market. I'm thinking, hey, this money is going to be used in the future. Maybe I'll pay my kids tuition at school. Maybe I'll help my son or daughter start a business. Maybe they'll be successful. Maybe they'll get a scholarship. Maybe they won't want to go to college, whatever it is. Maybe they won't need the money. But at least I won't have to ask them for money when I'm old and gray and can't get out there and paint my house or I've done that enough. Now I can't stand up straight. Maybe the internet goes poof. I start losing money. I can't make money on the internet. Can't get a job, whatever it is. Well, at least I got some savings. So I take it really seriously. And again, not that I'm trying to spend this money tomorrow or the next day. I'm really looking well into the future, 20, 30 years down the road, which comes faster than, you know, 20, 30 years from now is going to come faster than, than I think or anybody thinks. It's going to come pretty quick. So I want this, you know, I invest this money to help it. Hopefully it grows and grows year after year. Maybe some years it doesn't but I'm kind of hoping it does. And so I take that very seriously, and I think you should too. A lot of you guys probably have, um, whether it's self-directed or a lot of you guys, I know with my wife, I don't have a real job or quote-unquote real job, so I don't really, I don't really, I wouldn't know this stuff unless it, it wasn't for my wife, who, again, every month, she has like an employer match at her her work, which is something you should take advantage of if you're not, ma- as a side note, if you're not maxing that out, say your employer matches dollar for dollar. And again, this comes out of your salary and usually goes into like a fidelity account or some kind of um, some kind of retirement account, 401k or something like that. And what you're, so for every dollar you put in, your employer matches to a dollar. And usually it's up to a certain percentage or it's up to a certain dollar amount per year. And you really need to max that out every year. Okay, whatever you got to do to max that out, max out and do it, okay? The only, the only caveat to that is if there's some kind of clause into what you can invest in. Say they only match it for the, the stock you buy of the certain company. Then I could see you might want to diversify at some point or not put all your eggs in that basket. But the fact that they match you dollar for dollar is basically free money. And you should take advantage of that. And so I know a lot of you guys have situations, guys and girls have situations like that, or you're, you're self-directing an IRA, or you're putting money off to the side or whatever it is, and you're doing it for the same reasons. You're doing it not because you need the money tomorrow, but you need it 10 years from now, 20 years from now. And you're not exactly sure what you need the money for. Again, I'm saving money. Maybe I won't need it. Because theoretically, when I'm 60, 70, I still could be doing a lot of the work that I'm doing now. Certainly could be paying other people to do it as well, which is what I do now. But you want that money to be around. And one thing that we've seen time and time again, there are stock market crashes. The market does go down. But hey, guess what? The market often comes back and it often rallies uh, harder and and higher than it did before. But that's not to say that that's an investment strategy that I should just blindly put my money into a 401k or an IRA, and then, oh, when the market crashes, I lose 40%. And four or five years later, I've, you know, I'm back to my principal and I'm starting making money again. That can work for most of you, and that's fine. 
It's also not to say that you should be all in and all out. It's one of the the biggest mistakes that I see with investors. And I always call investors, I'm on investor forums and websites and, and, and and blogs and things like that and always making comments and kind of arguing with people. And oftentimes you see real amateur investors kind of, you know, making themselves look like they're pros or they, they, they know it all. And they're like, oh, you, you know, a recession hits or some, you know, some technical level hits and you just pull all your money out. Okay, yeah, maybe that's easy when you've got a Robinhood account with $400 in it. You press sell on the four stocks you own. Sure, maybe you can do that. But I don't know about you, but I've got IRA accounts, savings accounts, money here, money there, you know, as you get more and more wealth build up, the, the money, you actually become further and further away kind of from the money. And in other term, another, another way to say it is the money becomes less and less liquid. I can't just log into my app and press sell and be done. And I also think that's a poor, very poor investment strategy or investment plan is to say, oh, I'm going to be all in. And then, oh, yeah, you know, imagine if you did that when Trump, a lot of people kind of probably did that when Trump was elected. Trump was elected and everybody thought, oh, God, the stock market's going to crash and uh, blah, blah, blah. you can go back and listen to the shows that I had told you exactly the opposite was going to happen. And that's exactly what has happened. But that's not to say that's going to happen forever or over the course, say, you know, President Trump's around two more years or maybe even six more years. It's not to say over those two to six years that the market's just going to keep going up and up and up. And at the same time, the strategy isn't, oh, I'm going to sell when someone like Donald Trump's elected or I'm going to go all in when someone like Donald Trump is elected. Both, I think, are flawed strategies. A better strategy, I think, is to start to anticipate or plan for those events to happen and have a plan, have, again, being all in, all out, selling all your stocks all in one shot or buying them all in in all in one shot, I don't think is a wise move. Much wiser move, I believe, is to, if you believe that a market correction is on the horizon, some kind, maybe, maybe not even a, a crash, maybe a, a period of time where maybe the investments don't do as well as they have maybe the last four or five years. But at the same time, I still have to be, I think a good disciplined saver, a good disciplined investor is going to continue to save and continue to invest money over that time. But you don't necessarily have to dump it all into stocks or blue chip stocks or penny stocks or whatever you're trying to invest in. Certainly don't encourage you to invest in penny stocks. So with that backdrop, I do want to make people aware, because this is not something that's really being discussed by pro-Trump supporters or anti-Trump supporters. So it'd actually be great material to write on if you're an anti-Trump supporter. But again, most of them are focused on him putting his foot in his mouth, which three, four, five, six days later, nobody remembers. What did Trump uh, you know, put his foot in his mouth two weeks ago? 
Guarantee you he did. Guarantee you he said something that was questionable, if not an outright lie, two, three, four weeks ago. But no, I guarantee you, nobody can think of what it is. Nobody. Better, better, far better discussion, especially if you're out there. Again, I don't care who's president. I don't care if we don't even have a president. All I care about is when I say my future, my family's future, because me is no longer just me sitting here recording a podcast. It's my wife. It's my kids. It's my family. That's all I care about, and that's all you should care about as well. So here's what I'm worried about. I will tell you what I'm concerned about. And this is, I'm going to try to make this as simple to, to understand as possible. As you all know, interest rates for the last 10 years or so, under the, especially under Barack Obama's era, they never went up under Barack Obama's era. In fact, interest rates only went down. In fact, they went all the way down to zero. Anybody that has gotten a mortgage in the last 10, five to six, seven years understands that you probably got an interest rate under 4%. I know some people, I think, that were under 3%. It's incredibly cheap money. Anybody that has a business knows this as well. But if you've been following the news, you understand that interest rates are rising. I don't know what the, the, most of us probably only pay attention to the interest rate on maybe our credit cards, maybe on a car loan, maybe on a home. But quite frankly, a lot of the interest, if you have credit cards, a lot of people do, I do as well. A lot of people don't realize that that rate actually is not fixed. It's actually a variable rate. And that's what got homeowners in trouble 10 years ago. They signed up at one rate, one payment, and all of a sudden, six months later, the payment and the rate doubled or went up. And the person buying the home couldn't afford the original rate, and they certainly couldn't afford it when it doubled. Same thing's going to happen, same thing's actually happening already with credit card debt and with student loan debt and other kinds of debt that is not a fixed interest rate. It's actually a variable interest rate. And this interest rate is going up almost every three to four months now. Now that your wonderful Federal Reserve is actually raising rates. And there becomes a time... This is a very, I don't want to say this is a very complex or hard thing to understand, but I'll try to put it in terms that maybe you can understand. There comes a time, whether you're a, cre- whether you're a credit card borrower, you're just swiping your card and buying stuff, there comes a point in time when the interest rate becomes, quote unquote, too high. For some of you, you might already be there. You might already look at your credit card bills and you're like, man, how am I ever going to pay these off? Well, guess what? The interest rate's going up, so it's going to get harder. For some of you, you might not be there yet. For some of you, it might be buying a home. You're like, oh, yeah, I could borrow money at 3%, but I wouldn't borrow at 6%. I don't know if I'd buy a home if I had to pay 6.5% mortgage rate. 
I don't know if I would start a business if I had to pay 4% as opposed to 3%. There's certainly a lot of housing developments. They're building a bowling alley in my town. And the guy in the paper, the guy that's building the bowling alley, literally literally said this in the paper that they wouldn't be building the bowling alley if it wasn't for interest rates being as low as they are. Just wouldn't make sense. And so think about that. If interest rates keep going up, guess what? They're not going to build the bowling alley in a town. They're not going to build a new subdivision. They're not going to build a new Taco Bell. Large companies aren't going to borrow money to build a new building. And you're going to think, well, who cares? But let me tell you, that triggers an economic slowdown because... The United States of America is financed and built on debt. The whole United the, the government is built on debt. God knows we all know how much debt the, the United States government is built up. If they couldn't borrow money, guess what? We'd, we'd be uh, very quickly broke as a nation. Quote, unquote, broke. Okay, They could always raise our taxes, which the Democrats want to do. In fact, they're running on that, raising taxes. May or may not be a bad idea. I don't know. I just know if they raise my taxes, guess what? My income's going to go way down. (laughs) Or we'll do like Apple did for the last 10 years. We'll hide all the money in Dublin and overseas. This is exactly what they'll do. You raise the corporate tax rate, guess what? Companies are going to hide the money overseas. But my point is, as interest rates go up, there becomes a point where economic activity really is impacted. So again, instead of the guy being able to borrow money to build a bowling alley, he doesn't do that at all. Instead of the homeowner saying, "Ah, I'm not going to buy the house, I think I'm going to rent. Instead of buying a new car, I'm going to buy a used car. Or I'm just going to keep the one I got. I'm going to fix it up. Instead of putting a vacation on my credit card, I'm just going to pay it down. Instead of getting my master's degree, I'm just going to keep my bachelor's degree and and get a job and pay my student loan debt down. Instead of buying the new $200 pair of Air Jordans, I'm just going to buy the $60 ones because I'm going to have to put it on my credit card and the interest rate's crazy. There becomes a point when interest rates, as they tick up, it very significantly will start impacting business activity within the United States. In particular, because, again, the vast, vast, vast majority of people in this country buy things on credit. Businesses, even Apple, always give this example to, you know, my wife or my, especially my friends, you know, they'll, they'll talk about, oh, I've got, you know, I've got $1,300 on this credit card and it's a, you know, 14% interest rate. And I try to explain to them, yeah, we're going to pay that off. You'll get it paid off. You, you know, we can transfer it to a low balance card if that makes sense financially. You know, there's a lot of options you can have, but I always explain to them, hey, l- listen, Apple computer has $250 billion in debt, but guess what? No, 
excuse me, Apple Computer has $250 billion in cash. Apple has more cash than the top four or five richest people in the world. And guess what? Apple Computer has as much debt as any company out there. Yeah, they could turn around and pay it off today or tomorrow, and it's actually very intelligent, the things that they've done, borrowing money at really low rates. It's actually really intelligent what they've done. This is why you hire, if you're a big corporation like Apple, you hire really good CPAs and really good um, like tax law attorneys and things like this to, to, to finagle financials like this. This is why the rich get richer. This is why big blue chip companies continue to do well because they're able to do the, these kind of things with their money. But you as the average consumer is not. If you're already struggling to pay off your credit card bills, if you're already struggling to pay your mortgage, already struggling or on the fence about buying a house, well, guess what? When interest rates tick up, you might not be able to afford it now. And my point is, the bowling alley doesn't get built. The expensive vacation doesn't get taken. The expensive shoes don't get taken. The student decides to forego their master's and just stick to a bachelor's degree. Or instead of going to college at all, I'm just going to go and, and get a job. Just going to go teach myself on YouTube how to code and go work for Microsoft or Facebook. Certainly something you could do. Instead of taking on more debt, I'm going to pay it off or not expand my business, not take risks. That's when we'll see an economic slowdown. And it could come at any time, honestly. As we see interest rates continue to rise, and they're going to continue, I think we've, we're on pace for one more rate hike this year. They'll likely be, I don't, I, there's probably projections already on 2019. I could imagine there'll be one or two next year, at least. This means your credit card interest, anything not a fixed rate is going to go up. That alone is going to take money out of the economy. Instead of buying good, a new goods and service, you're going to be basically paying more for the goods and service you've already acquired or used up. This is exactly what triggers economic slowdown, a.k.a. a recession. So should you go out and sell all your stocks today? Absolutely not. Should you go out and buy a bunch of gold and silver and, and, you know, just in case we have like a lot of inflation happens? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. Should a portion of your portfolio be devoted to those things? Absolutely. Should you be aware that this economic, this economic situation is on the horizon? Absolutely. And that's what I'm here to do to you do for you today is try to explain this in the best ways as I possibly can. And just understand that our country is, our country is financed by debt. So if interest rates go up, not only you, the consumer are paying a higher interest rate, guess what? The United States government as well. Now, where the government has an advantage over you is they can print money, and you can't, okay? 
Unless you're like these card companies that print cards on pieces of paper with guarantees on the back and they don't explain them. That's, I guess, about as good as printing money today. Although none of these card companies make a whole lot of money. They're not printing money like they used to when they used to put literal piece of cardboard and charge you 99 cents for it. Now, it is Trump's tax policy, does, does, that, does that help? Absolutely. Does that help continue business investment? Absolutely, it does. Okay, only, you know, Rachel Maddow, who doesn't, who's never sat in an economics class in her life, would tell you that, or anchors on CNN who majored in journalism or public speaking or communications would start automatically giving you economic advice. I'm here to tell you, no, absolutely, cutting taxes can help mitigate. It doesn't eliminate the risk, interest rate risk, that we're, that we're, we're kind of approaching. We're not there yet, but we're not far away. You raise interest rates just a little bit more, and it's really going to impact the consumer, especially consumers with credit who rely on credit cards, have large credit card balances. But more importantly, what it's going to do is affect business investment. Because it honestly doesn't make sense to invest in a lot of situations if you're borrowing money at much higher rates. And by much higher, I mean the difference between 3 and 5% is actually a lot I know for a fact on my, on my, for example, my home that I purchased was 270 something thousand when we bought it. Okay. Not an expensive house at all for, for California standards. For some of you might listen, you might think 270,000 that can buy you a mansion and God bless you if you live in one of those places, not out here in California. Okay. Now, do I live, do I have mansions around me? Absolutely. I live in a neighborhood where there's some very, very exclusive homes. My home is not one of them, okay? It can be. I could add on plenty of room. I could make it as big or, you know, obviously I'd have to pay a lot of money. Um, but, but I could turn it into one. But for example, I had a $270,000 loan or so. I think my rate was 3.25. I'm not exactly sure what rate I, I was locked in at, but it's one of those. It's right around that range. If I only make the minimum payment on my mortgage, which is I think seventeen, eighteen hundred bucks, something like that per month. If I only make that, I think it's a thirty-year term on my mortgage. I will have paid, or I say I, it's really my family, will have paid. I think it was almost on the dot five hundred thousand dollars for my house. So that gives you an example, okay? That I borrow, I borrowed about two hundred seventy thousand, and if I pay it back over thirty years, I will have basically pay double, not quite double, but almost double for what the actual purchase price was. But let's imagine that my rate was six percent, almost double what I actually have. That means I would pay a million dollars. For the same house. So you can see the difference between 3% and 6% is a lot of money. Would I have borrowed $270,000 to pay a million dollars for a two-bedroom house? Maybe not. 
definitely would have had to think long and hard about it at that rate. But I'll be, I'll be 100% honest with you. In, in 30 years, I could do nothing with this house. And it'll likely, you know, as long as the neighborhood and the things stay the same in, in California and in the area I live in, sure, yeah, $500,000 is not an unreasonable, it's not unreasonable to think that's what a house like this could be worth. Certainly, if it's in really nice condition, I add an extra bedroom and a master bath, it could be worth well over a million dollars, easily, over the course of 30 years. This is just one small example as a homeowner, but think about if you're a business owner, you're not buying one house, you're buying hundreds of houses or not houses, you're building hundreds of facilities or hundreds of service centers or hundreds and thousands and millions of products. As interest rates start to tick up, it starts to really impact business decision. And I think over the last year and even into next year even, I think with the Trump tax cuts, I think most businesses are probably looking past that. But at some point, you can't. Some point, businesses are going to pull back a little bit. Some point, consumers are going to pull back instead of, again, taking that extra vacation, taking out a new credit card and putting more money on it. You're going to sit down as a family and realize, man, can't pay this. So a couple things can happen. When we saw with the home crisis, what happened when people couldn't pay their mortgage? It literally sent things, you know, it was a domino effect and actually, the people not being able to pay their mortgage, it wasn't at all what caused the financial crisis. It was actually that the banks had made, basically, there were people that were betting that these people wouldn't pay, and then banks were making almost unlimited upside bets that they would. And then once the people couldn't pay their mortgages, all of a sudden, these banks had to pay off pay huge sums of money to investors that correctly predicted that these people weren't going to pay off their bets. So consumers could just stop paying on their credit card, could stop paying their mortgage. Businesses could do the same. And in my opinion, it's not, if this situation is going to happen in the, I would say in the near future, it's when. Does it happen in the first term of Donald Trump's presidency or does it happen in the second term if, if and when he gets reelected? Which I am almost guaranteeing that he will. The Democrats are going to run a mainstream candidate like a Joe Biden, like God knows Hillary Clinton maybe again. And then there's going to be a Bernie Sanders candidate who's not going to give up who will run as a third party or kind of a left wing of the party. And those two are going to split votes. And Donald Trump's going to win by more than he did in 2016. You can absolutely guarantee that that's going to happen. Absolutely going to guarantee that's going to happen. The Democrats are not going to rally around one candidate. Because you have candidates that are running on free college and free health care and free jobs and free 
employment and free housing. Then you have more moderate Democrats that are like, oh, God, it's not at all what the party was running on just 20 years ago. Not even close. Just go listen to old Bill Clinton speeches. You will not see that kind of language being spoken to. So it's not if, it's when. It's not if, it's when this kind of situation will arise. And it's if you can be prepared for it, if you can be aware of it, it's a situation that you should be able to take advantage of. Will you feel some pain? Will you have to make some adjustments in your own personal life? Probably, absolutely. But if you start preparing for it now, probably a good idea. Probably a very good idea. The things I recommend you doing, paying down any variable interest rate debt that you might have, any credit cards, things of that nature. If you can't afford to pay them off, again, pay them down. The other thing you can do is transfer them. There's all kinds of no interest uh, uh, cards still. You can find uh, no interest uh, credit cards that, that last 15 to 21 months, even maybe even 24 months. That gives you a little bit more leeway to pay that off interest free. And so... If and when, you know, when rates continue to rise, you will not be negatively affected by that. The other thing that will happen is if and when business activity starts to slow because interest rates rise, that will impact the stock market. It will very negatively impact stocks that rely heavily on borrowing money to run their business, run their operations. And quite frankly, that is a vast majority of companies out there. And I gave an example of the $1 trillion company, Apple Computer. While they don't operate their company using debt, they do use it to their advantage. And if they can't use the debt to their advantage in the future, guess what? Maybe their stock continues to go up, but it doesn't perform as well as it has been. And that is the shining example. There's plenty of other businesses that will completely crumble once you see a tightening and a pullback in the credit markets. And that's exactly what's going to happen in the future. So just wanted to make you guys aware of that. Just wanted to bring that to people's attention. This is, again, not something people are talking about on primetime news. This is not even a little bit. If you watch CNBC, maybe once a week, you ha- they bring somebody on that will discuss something like this. They'll occasionally talk about it at a high level. But typically those CNBC-type shows are almost like day-by-day, hour-by-hour. You know, if Tesla's up 7%, they're going to talk about it. If it's down 7%, you know, they're talking about that, not what's going to happen three years from now, four years from now, five years from now. And these are the things uh, very savvy, intelligent investors are thinking about all the time. And it's something I've been thinking about quite a bit over the last year or so, is when is this economy really going to start to slow down? 
And what's going to cause it to slow down? Okay, certainly all, all you guys that absolutely hate Donald Trump, that hasn't slowed it down. We have a guy that, puts, again, puts his foot in his mouth every other day, and it doesn't slow anything down in the economy, okay? Quite frankly, because his policies are rock solid on the business side and even on the tariff side. But it's just something I want to make you guys aware of. That I believe the next economic cycle that we have that is negative or quote-unquote recessionary will be because of interest rates rising, causing business slowdown, causing consumer tightening and a little bit less frugal, you know, a little bit, maybe a little bit more frugalness. And you might say, hey, that's a good thing. It's a good thing people pay down their debt. It's a good thing businesses don't take obscene risk. And I would agree with that for the most part. But unfortunately, our whole economy is built upon that. The whole country is built upon financing the future today. And higher interest rates makes that a far more difficult decision. And then that trickles down to other things. Okay, I'm going to tell you that's what's going to, that could trigger something even more serious. Could trigger a financial collapse that is more serious. It could expose business practices that are hard to even identify today. So again, don't go press the sell button on all your stocks. Should you maybe put some stop losses underneath them? Absolutely. If you bought it at 80 and it's, I think I bought, for example, I was buying Nike last year quite a bit. I mean, maybe it was the year before, I can't remember. $50 a share, now it's at 80. Okay, and I think I have 30 or 40 shares quite a bit actually, it seems like. Okay, I'm going to go in there and find a level where it's like, hey, if Nike breaches this level, it's going to go down quite a bit and I can maybe come back there and buy it at another level. So I'll go in there and put a little stop loss. Not for all my shares. So if I have 30 shares, maybe I do 20. Maybe if you got 100 shares, you do 60. It all depends on where you're at financially, but it doesn't mean go all in, go all out. Just because I'm warning you of a situation that is likely to occur in the, I believe, the near future. And I believe, I, I certainly believe will happen if Donald Trump lasts six years, it will happen during the, that time frame. Because his policy will, his actually pro-business policy will actually encourage higher interest rates. And those higher interest rates are going to slow down economic activity. And when economic activity starts to slow and starts to grind to a halt, it can trigger lots of things. And you just want to be aware of that and you just want to have a plan for that. And so hopefully that helps you guys out. Again, I get a lot of feedback on this show. 
a lot of you guys like the card stuff, and I try to give that to you as much as I can. But I get actually probably more feedback on the, on kind of the off-topic stuff. And after 10 years and 200-some-odd shows, I think we can have some off-topic stuff. And when something in the hobby happens, we absolutely come on here and talk about it and give it to you unfiltered and give you our opinion. Whether you, whether you agree with the opinion or not, it, it, you know, that's part of... That's part of a, opinion shows or our podcast. You know, it's really pick a side and argue it. But at the same time, I like to give you these uh, really, um, you know, again, for the last, you can go back and listen to the shows. Time and time again, I've told you to buy, 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 buy stocks. And just over the last year, I've been a little more cautious with that myself. Haven't stopped buying stocks. Okay, I'll admit when Facebook dips a bunch at first it dipped on the the data thing or whatever and it was down to 150 dollars a share i bought some then i think it went all the way up to 200 and then i think it's back down to 180 or so i bought some more so i bought some apple earlier in the year we've had we had some volatile trading days i think i bought apple at one i don't know what it was 160 170 and i think now it's up over 200 bucks so i think those are my only two purchases all year i'm really just buying blue chips on major major pullbacks um that's that's really all i'm doing i I, i'm probably sitting on maybe close to 20 percent cash at the moment which is way 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 more and i'm not talking about cash in my bank account okay i always have like 300 dollars in my bank account at most maybe 500 at the most cash is trash in a rising interest rate environment, cash is trash. Cash just sitting there doing nothing is trash. Especially in a bank account. Because interest rates are rising and you're not really getting really a penny more. Maybe you're getting a couple pennies more from your bank out of it. Obviously, if, if interest rates go to 7 8%, we can just put our bank, you know, money in a bank account and double it every 10 years. And that's fine. If you're earning 8% annualized on a stock, you'd, you'd, be, you'd be happy. So if you could do that on a bank account with, with almost no risk, yeah, you'd be even happier. So I'm sitting on cash. I'm, I, you know, it, it's, it's not really what, what I want to do. It's not ideal for me, but I'm kind of just waiting, kind of in a holding pattern. And obviously, I, I continue to put money into these accounts. So at some point, I have to make decisions. I don't want to get up to where I'm 50, 60% cash. I don't think that's necessarily super wise, especially somebody my age. Okay, if I was like 65, it, it probably would be extremely wise. Because I am anticipating an economic slowdown, a quote-unquote recession, within the next, I'd say, two to six years. Definitely going to happen. Something you should be aware of. Something you should have a plan for. So hopefully, again, you guys probably have Fidelity accounts or 401ks. There should be ways you can um, prepare for these kind of things. Again, the way to prepare is not sell it all and buy it all at once or sell it all and wait for a crash. That's, I mean, if you, if you had sold three years ago waiting for a crash, you would have missed 100 points, 200 points on, your, on, on, on the stock market. Or if you would have sold when Donald Trump won, you would have you would have missed one of the best years, year and a half, 
that we've ever seen. So it's not the all-in, all-out approach, but you can certainly trim a little here, trim a little there, maybe add to some things that typically go up in recessionary of, oh, when a recessionary events happen. Those kind of assets are out there, and those kind of investment opportunities are out there as well. And I encourage you to um, you know, go out there and, and look for them and prepare for them. Because like I said, it's not just preparing for tomorrow or next week or next year. It's really preparing for the future, and it's something that um, you want to have a clear visibility on, on as possible. So hopefully that helps some of you guys out. Hopefully you guys take me up on my offer. Send Panini a note. Send Tops a note. Send Upper Deck a note. Maybe some of these other companies, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe these companies do have this stuff cleared out, spelled out clearly. I didn't look into Tops. I didn't look at Upper Deck. I really just looked to Panini because we had a specific case where a collector went to the National and said, hey, I have this card. It's guaranteed. You know, what's up? And they say, no, it's not guaranteed. And I just, I just want to know, where is this guarantee? Where can I see what's guaranteed and what's not? And I think these card companies can be far more transparent about that. So if you could do me a favor and ask Panini for this guarantee. Say, hey, I see the guarantee on the back, but, you know, what does that cover? And then they'll give you some, you know, response. It's like, no, 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 no. I want, uh, you know, I want the whole thing written out. Here it is for your authentic memorabilia items. Where is it for the cards? And if enough of you guys do this, we'll get some a little bit more transparency here. Will it solve any of these problems? No, it, it, it won't. But in my opinion, it will just, just, just help situate. It'll help when situations arise, collectors really feeling ripped off by the company themselves. You know, if you buy something on eBay and you get ripped off, that's kind of the, you know, that's kind of the... It's, it's kind of the name of the game sometimes. But when you're feeling ripped off from the company itself, that and when Panini's the only manufacturer of football cards, it's going to turn people off of collecting football cards. If you feel ripped off by tops, there's not a lot of other choices to make. And so that's why these companies can get away with this, literally guaranteeing something and then not having it in writing. It's absolutely preposterous. Doesn't make any sense. I can't think of a whole lot of other industries where this happens. Again, what most companies do is they write out a guarantee with 5,001 different clauses to where it doesn't apply. So at least me as a customer is like, oh, okay, you know, got a warranty for my Mercedes and my stupid vent broke and they didn't cover it. But at least the guy explained it to me, showed it to me, said, oh, you know, these kind of parts, they don't apply. It's like, okay, I understand that. I signed that. Okay, I'm sure when I bought the car, I signed that. So I should have taken either not signed that, not bought it, or taken issue to it then. But it's not really why I bought the warranty. Okay, you blow a head gasket or blow something in your Mercedes, it costs a lot of money, okay? It's not, you know... 190 bucks, 200 bucks, 300 bucks, $1,000 here and there, not a big deal. But when it's like $5,000, then yeah, I, I, I kind of hope that my, my warranty picks that up. So 
in the case of Panini, when we're talking about a Dak, I don't know how much these Dak Prescott cards are worth, but they're probably worth hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, three hundred bucks, maybe more. I don't know. That's a lot of money for a card. Okay, when ninety nine point nine percent of cards that are made are worth nothing, basically. I think asking for some transparency would be a good idea. Hope you guys take me up on that. And I hope you tune in next time when we have another show. When it will be, I have no clue. But until then, I hope you guys are all doing well. Hope everybody's kicking back and relaxing. Don't work too hard. I know we just went through the podcast. Some of you guys might have been listening to this at work. Just because the podcast is over doesn't mean you need to start working. Doesn't mean you need to start busting your ass. Look, we have one of the best economies ever right now. Lowest unemployment ever. Nobody's going to fire you. And if they fire you, guess what? They're going to have to play unemployment insurance on you. And then guess what? You can go find another job in like 10 seconds. Just get on Indeed or Monster or snag a job and there'll be 5,000 other things. Or just drive around and see the help wanted signs and go apply and they'd probably hire you right on the spot. So again, just because the show's over, you don't need to go back to work. You don't need to put, take your feet off your desk. You can keep relaxing. And keep tuning in next time when we'll come back some other time, some other place. But for now, we are out of here. <laughs>